Centered. The Kill Zone. The Kill Zone. Frontline Gaming presents the Kill Zone Podcast. Real talk for competitive Kill Team 40K. Tactics. Tactics. Strategy. Strategy. And news you need to know from some of today's top players. Tune in every other week for brand new episodes of the Kill Zone Podcast. Like Deandra just said, you have entered the Kill Zone. Welcome back, returning listeners, and those of you new to the podcast, Spearnet 40K. I'm joined by Emmanuel Mitsunikos from Strategic Advantage on YouTube. We've got a great episode coming up for you today. In today's episode, we cover general thoughts on elites and the similar but more frailish elite teams. That means if you play something like a Space Marines or even the Harlequins, this is an episode you do not want to miss. That's right, so stay tuned because all that more is coming your way after you pay some bills with these messages. Monkey, you're back. Oh, and you were looking quite snazzy. Ooh, 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 ah, ooh. Yeah, like, where did you get that cool armor? You really pulled together some neat gear since the last time we saw you. Yeah, wait, that looks kind of familiar. It looks like the monkey loaded one of his very own character kits from popgoesthemonkey.com. It's these neat kits to let you upgrade a unit to look unique and stand out in your squad or your army. Ooh! Ooh! Ah! Ah! Ooh! Yeah, that's right. I do remember seeing those. There, there's some pretty neat kits on there. You know, one part of this new addition that, I mean, obviously with me kitbashing my entire commandos team, um, I, I really dislike how samesy some models can look, especially when you have a mirror match on the board. And you know, with these character kits, you can really make your guys stand out. Yeah, give that Phobos Sergeant some fancy pauldrons and accessories for some faction-specific flair to your legionary Night Lord aspiring champion. Okay, okay, so Monkey, before you go, please, can you please explain where you're coming from? Can we get you like a bus pass or something so you don't have to... Darn, we lost him again. But what's this? It's like a spindly robot bit he left behind. I wonder what the heck this is. It's a mystery for next time, I suppose. Yeah, hmm. Well, be sure to check out popgoesthemonkey.com for your bits needs. Be it extra weapons, upgrades, unique models, or complete character kits, they have your hobby heart covered. Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast, Monkey. Thanks, Monkey. And we are back. Oh, that monkey always coming around and doing his shenanigans things. That Can I have does. the robot? Can I have the robot bit? I got an idea for it. Are you just going to give it to Alex, Mac? Is that what's going to yes. happen? Alex Squires is yes. going to take it? Yes. How did yes. I know? Yeah. Uh, he, he's into the robot body horror, so I got to fuel the machine, pun intended. Okay. You can have it. <laughs> it's probably radioactive so, or something anyway. Maybe I'll actually be able to beat him at the next tournament and make him a little sick, <laughs> you know? Joke's on you. His guys are already radioactive. Oh. They have that... The, what are the... I don't know. The guys with the crests. There's the hoods and the oh, crests. The, I don't uh, know what his stuff is called. Vanguard. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I believe you. You could say any word and I'll say yes. <laughs> but they have that like radiation aura that makes you wounded if you're close to them, I think. Yeah. Um, it, at least it did that last edition. I don't know what it does this edition. I just know that I don't want to punch those guys. So I shoot the guys with the helmets and I punch the guys with the hoods. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a simple man, Chris. 
<laughs> See, but what happens when you play somebody who has kit bashed it out of something else, and all of a sudden the crests aren't there or something? You know? Yeah, that's he'll the bring scary out moment. Cowboy ones. Yeah, yeah, he'll bring out the cowboy ones with the bowler hats. <gasps> that's those why are some he, cool ones. That's why he does it. We finally figured out why he kit bashes <gasps> all his admech. I mean, because they're cool models to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. No need. It's it's for advantage. <laughs> Must be. You stop that. There's always a need. Okay. There's always a need okay. to kit bash. <laughs> I say as I look at my. Oh my god, my pile of shame. Uh, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I guess my hobby, my hobby roundup is. Oh, um, let's see what I have in this pile of shame. Um, I have my Wormley team, which I've painted three models for. I have a bunch of orc boys and grots. Yeah, we have no plans for those. They're just built and primed in the corner. I have half of my legionary team modeled up. Those were a pain to do actually um did i tell you about my plan for those uh no i know that they're gonna be yeah. a legionary team but i don't Aha. know that there's anything specific with those uh, detective chris is on the case yes i figured it um, out <laughs> so i uh have chaos space marines it was actually a gift from my niece and um i think i talked about this way 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 back machine ago um but i was slicing them in in half in different angles and i was gonna do them kind of like uh um the Hydra guys. Alpha Legion. Um, Alpharius. Alpha, Alpha Legion. Legion. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Kind of coming out of camo, camo from Orc into Alpha Legion. And I actually picked up to start modeling those again because I modeled three of them. And, you know, halfway to the full team. They won't be hard to paint at all. Um, but I, I modeled half of them. And my biggest... I, I hit a roadblock because I only had one plasma bit. And I was like, oh, if I screw up this modeling, <laughs> I'm going to have to go bit shopping just for another Chaos Space Marine plasma. And then I got Morox, so I have a spare now. You so, also um, uh, have, uh, we, we got that box from Pop, so we've got, that's I've got plasma true. for days. Oh, you can ruin both I, of those, <laughs> and I will have a plasma to give you. Thanks again, Pop. Yeah. Alrighty. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's actually the one that I was uh, messing around with uh, the other day with my hobby saw. I've been using, <laughs> it's funny, The uh, I was at my LGS the other day, and I was looking to see what other hobby hobby saws they have because i have the citadel one Mm -hmm. and that one's good but i was curious what other ones there are have you seen the army painter one i don't believe so it looks like it's ready to take people's limbs off it's huge (laughs) and i i think i think it's supposed to be for giant sprue connections specifically the ones that are on um that are on forge world stuff okay um, because especially for their large vehicles, the injection points for their resin stuff, their fine cast stuff, are huge. Mm. And you can't chop them off because, you know, with how frail um, resin's going to be, yeah. you're definitely going to take a chunk out of the model. So you actually have to saw them off. So I think that Army Painter one is specifically just for that. I would not, I, I'd lose a finger if I tried to do, do it. Listeners, look it up. Just Google like the army painter saw and you'll see what I mean. It looks like something that uh, a pain boy would have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. So can I backpedal just a tiny, tiny bit? And because and, I need to know. Absolutely. I need to know. Yes. yes. Are your legionaries orcs huh? turning into Alpharians or are they Alpha Legion that was disguised as orcs and now they're taking off the camouflage? Yes. Okay, I see. <laughs> I see. I mean, that's so. Um, it's not because I don't want to commit. That's part of the whole joke, mm-hmm. right? Because the whole thing is the I'm I'm Spartacus thing. That's the whole thing that um, Alpha Legion is riffing off. And if um, 
if you don't know the reference, it's from an older movie, I think. Spartacus. A 70s, 60s? It's, it's older. It predates me. But um, there's a very classic scene where they're looking for Spartacus, who's inciting a revolution, I believe. And they're trying to find this leader. And then everyone stands up, I'm Spartacus, I'm Spartacus. Um, so with the Alpha Legion, the lore is so funny that um, Alpharius, actually the Primarch, tricksy little warpy stuff happened to him and split him into two so he's kind of bigger than a marine but definitely a lot smaller than um than a primarch should be so he can kind of blend in and other marines can be changed enough with surgeries to look like him so everyone he, i mean he has omegon which is his other half but then everyone pretends to be Alpharius. So Alpharius has been documented as being killed so many times that he keeps popping up that they don't actually know. I think Rogel Dorn allegedly killed Alpharius in the most recent kind of lore. But anyway, so the whole thing is that everyone's Alpharius, no one's Alpharius, everyone's Alpha Legion, no one's Alpha Legion. So that's why the orcs, they're orcs, but they're not orcs, but they are orcs, mm-hmm. but they're all Alpharius. Yep. And on my little character cards, I make little um, cards for all my kill team units, just for quick reference. Um, I've already started making them for my legionary team, and they all just say Alfarioc. They all, they're all named Alfarioc on okay. top instead of each having a different name. I saw this. So I, yeah, I thought it would yeah. be like Orcfarius and Alfarioc and Alforkius and everyone. Well, You'd have to come up with six variations, right? But so. The leader, um, whether I decide to go with a chosen or an aspiring champion, is going to be Omegork, but everyone else is Alfariork. <laughs> okay. Love it. Awesome, man. So, hey, I so how's gonna... your hobby going? Oh, it's going okay. Uh, just been doing uh, get fiddle stuff. That's how I say the word, guitars. Uh, I've been cleaning things oh, up Oh, nice. Bit. Yeah, installing things, yeah. fixing things up. We got a really nice, weird thing that nobody really knows what it is called a bass six it's like part guitar part bass it's its own weird instrument that Uh um when you get them they're just like useless to you you know but uh Mm -hmm. if you can set them up nice they become a really nice thing and um i haven't really had enough spare time to sit down and have a huge like build and paint moment however Mm -hmm. i've had like oh 10 minutes here you know let's let's change this thing on the bridge real quick let's do this let's swap this out i see and so little by little it's been becoming nicer and nicer so it's um who who makes the basics? So it's a Fender design that came out in like the late sixties and uh, oh interesting yeah and there was so depending on how deep down the rabbit hole we want to go here there was very a, deep because I want to know what okay. half is bass and what half is guitar I I'm very curious about this so in the let's see like twenty fifteen or so um they they did a reissue Fender did a reissue. And Squire did a uh-huh. reissue. Fender's uh-huh. reissue is basically a baritone guitar, like twenty. Like, okay. Yeah, so you'll you'll know what that is. It's just a longer scale, deeper thing. Mm-hmm. Usually tuned B to B instead of E to E, mm-hmm. which is how a normal mm-hmm. typical guitar tuning is. The bass now the Squire version was more period correct to what they had going on back there because mm-hmm. there's this crucial thing called a strangle switch uh, that mm-hmm. make takes out the low ends and makes it not do bass frequencies as much anymore so if you oh, think about like spaghetti western type music that's like mm-hmm. beat it like that kind of thing mm-hmm. that's the stuff wow, that this wow, wow. that this wants to be doing that kind of stuff um interesting so so that's the thing is it's normal bass is 30 
4 inches. Normal Fender guitar is 25.5 inches length. This is 30. So it's kind of like between. And it's got... Strange. Yeah, it's its own beast. It's a monster. And that's why, like I said, when you get it, a lot of people don't know what the heck to do with it. And all mm-hmm. offset fenders need, like, a shim put in and brake angle added and all this stuff. And like I said, it's something that you can do 5, 10 minutes at a time over a nice little period. And then you mm-hmm. end up with this this cool thing yeah you know but yeah i I love guitar tweaking for that exact exact reason sometimes i just want to do something fiddle around with something and i don't have enough time to uh get the wet palette out so yeah yeah, i do i do the same thing um question sure um last thing about guitars before we get to our topic today um you know steve i right yeah have I know you seen him the personally. music video? No, I don't. I'm oh, just joking. <laughs> uh, I'd ask for an introduction. Um, he, uh, I think he's in one of the Karate Kid movies, actually. Um, I think Russo does like a guitar, um, a guitar battle with Steve Vai, like young leather pants Steve Vai. Anyway, um, weird deep cut that is completely irrelevant to the story. Um, I think the. Um, songs called Heads of the Hydra or something of the Hydra. Um, you should look at the music video for that if you want to see a weird mixed guitar. Okay. Um, uh, listeners, you should check it out even if you don't know anything about guitar. It's a it's a strange video, but um, it's a guitar with three three different necks. Oh. Um, <laughs> some are fretless, some are quasi fretted, some are bass guitars. It's it's insane. It's made by Ibanez. It looks like it's out of some steampunk fever dream. It's amazing. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So is that enough guitar so, talk for now? Are we? I think so. I think I think I hear crickets. I think everyone has turned the podcast off. So maybe yeah, we turn yeah. it back. Maybe we to can Kill finally. Team. Yes, we could find an elite way to to segue into the next segment. I, I don't follow fail i failed <laughs> no I, failed. I i liked your i wanted to derail your uh, okay your damn it. it was actually pretty, it was actually pretty good <laughs> tried so hard uh, all right it got so far but in the end it didn't really matter Ooh. okay so uh <laughs> all right so elite teams elite teams so here's the thing we talked about this is gonna be an episode on elites and elites so a lot of people mm-hmm. know what elites are this is something that has been talked about for a while but you know what the heck is an elite right and the problem with that is it's something that i invented i <laughs> i came up with a term to describe these things that were kind of related but were not you know quite there and um so that's why you might just be hearing this for the, for the first time and I think the best way for you to explain, because the, the way you explain it to me makes perfect sense, but the way that I um, bucketed or siloed the concept of an elite team um, was first looking at the two extremes, mm-hmm. right? So on one extreme, we have elites. That's obvious. Talents, Marines, your four six-man teams, um, wounds somewhere in the teens, typically three APL. Um, I would even lump like all rubrics into an elite team even though they're two apl just because of size wounds that comes yeah. up on the other end of the spectrum you got your blooded you got your pathfinders you got your vet guard with troopers um ancillary support your big big wide teams right so those Absolutely. horde horde elite no one's arguing there right but what what do you mean when you say elite so 
with elites, right, what started this is you look at elites and you typically you see something that needs to be good no matter where they find themselves. They can do shooty. They mm-hmm. can do melee. And, okay, I found myself in this position. I, I can do this. Um, and they're on, like, say, six guys. I would say up to about ten guys, GW this edition has especially leaned into something that defined it a little bit more for me, what kind of led me to say the Elites. Instead of having all of that on one guy, you'll have nearly double the amount. So up to about Mm -hmm. 10. Um, Mm -hmm. And what you'll find is that you'll have this guy does shooty, the other guy does melee or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you'll have this, instead of both on one guy, it's split apart now and you get that extra guy. But there's still Mm -hmm. some of these similar things that they have going on. Like, okay, I typically don't have worse than a four-up save or something like that. So Mm -hmm. they're still making saves. They're still fairly chonk, but not quite like, oh, I have 12 wounds and a three-up style Mm -hmm. chunk chonk uh stuff like that so that's kind of you know where it came from so if we're thinking teams you know uh mm-hmm. i would say like harlequins i kind of consider an elite um mm-hmm. i would say even something like novitiates probably right uh because they're yeah. they're in that like 10 model thing uh they've they've got four up saves you've got dedicated melee you've got dedicated shooty instead of them being on the same team you know or the same guy yeah they, they got four up saves mm-hmm. they got very small amount of wounds, but they have faith points to help yes. keep and preserve those wounds. Absolutely. And then you have things like orcs, I think, would also fall into this kind of elite. Yes. Because um, high saves, so they're not durable from that standpoint, but they got 10 wounds, mm-hmm. which is really chunky, and just a scratch to yes. um, definitely pivot. And then you also have things like, um, oh my goodness, why am I forgetting my ploys? This should roll off the tongue. Uh, skulk about, mm-hmm. which can also help them lean into their bad saves by forcing more um, retains all that yep. kind of stuff. So no, you're um, you're hundred percent right. I think that the commandos mm-hmm. firmly sit in Elite uh, mm-hmm. this edition. I don't know about the compendium works because I've seen people taking like boy spam and stuff like that, and <laughs> that's that's a thing. And now you're starting to get into melee horde. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that the commandos, you know, they start to bring in some mm-hmm. tactics and things like that, and and pump themselves up a little bit. They've got heckin' chunkers with three APL. They've got you know mm-hmm. shooting that. We'll just remove anything from the board uh, if it yeah. gets to do it, uh, you know, and then fantastic melee, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So, and and, and um, I think the ten model teams mm-hmm. really need some caveat to bump them into the E light mm-hmm. kind of realm because that's that's like right on the cusp of not really fitting this kind of E light kind of uh, definition. Would you agree? Like with the novitiates. Um, they have those faith points that really and blinding aura and all that kind of stuff that really help increase their durability to be that kind of chunky, smaller team. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, um, like, I would have difficulty even. So, not every. It's not strict on the wounds characteristic, right? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Because then you would have other 10 model teams that I would say maybe might push a little bit away out of the elite wouldn't really satisfy that same kind of philosophy yeah it's a loose definition but it's kind of things mm-hmm. like okay you you've got more than six bodies but you're not like a horde you know you're not 13 mm-hmm. 12 13 14 guys uh and you're a very mixed approach force like you've got good melee you've got good shooting they're not all on the same guy mm-hmm. but you've got it there you know yeah and then also the options for um, a good amount 
of quasi three APL, right? Mm-hmm. So you look at teams like Corsairs, right? Yes. They have that dash or they have mission actions that let them do or ploys that let them do mission actions cheaper. Mm-hmm. So um, or f- rather free, right? Um, you have orcs where you have two sources of a bonus APL and then you also have Dakadash and then you also have the comms boy that can do mission actions for one less. All these ways to do more than just two actions with each model yeah. that really let you flex into closer to the elite spectrum where it's more of a three APL rule. Yes. Right? Yeah. I would say that the elites often have a really deep toolbox. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you have a basic model that becomes a severe threat or not, depending on how you decided to leverage it this round. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I just the tactics are where your crazy offense and defense come from rather than baked into the model. Because like mm-hmm. an elite team, like if we're talking Space Marines, something Space Marine, you know, uh, say Legionary, whatever. A lot of times, not every case because Phobos is going to break this. But a lot of times <laughs> you'll have two to three very specific things that you're just rolling every round. You know, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're, what's, it's these things, you know, is what's going on over and over and over again. Uh, you know, these two tactics, these two tactics, these two tactics tend to be kind of how elites present, you know, at least when I'm on the other side of the board from it and I'm seeing them, they're, they're, you know, shooting twice and uh, I have my durability buff legionnaire shooting twice, durability buff legionnaire. Next time it's like, Oh, do I need the durability or am I shooting twice? But it's one of those. Whereas the elite, mm. You, as a player, will need to know every single edge case, you know, and your MVP strats are going to be different game to game is is Mm -hmm. another thing that I I say, like, kind of separates these things out, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. and and will be a bit different between them, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I follow you on that. Um, So when I think about both elite and elite teams i kind of think of their kind of being a pro con list to one versus the other um i don't like horde teams personally so um there's a reason why i haven't painted all my grots that are that are tau it's just i don't want to deal with those large numbers Mm -hmm. so i definitely gravitate towards the smaller teams. I, I have legionaries that I'm working on. I'm almost done with my my Phobos. So I have two very obvious elite teams that mm-hmm. I like to play. Um, Harlequins, orcs, that kind of stuff. Corsairs I have um, on my painting team. So I, I tend to gravitate towards these. And I was I was thinking to myself, like, well, what what do I like about these teams that, mm-hmm. that, that I get pulled to them, right? Um, I like the fact that... Um, there's a lower hobby barrier mm-hmm. with all of my hobby ADD to go from team to team to team to team. Um, it's nice to have 10 or fewer models to worry about. Yeah. But then there's a little asterisk to that because a lot of these teams will actually benefit more from rostering. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see that with um, with certain teams like Phobos. There's, yeah, six models that are going to be good models that you take, but I think they benefit from probably nine or maybe ten models on that roster mm-hmm. that you would have. So then all of a sudden you're painting ten Marines for a six-model team, right? Yes. Um, so uh, lower hobby barrier generally, but also if you're planning on playing competitively, you might have to dig a little deeper into being uh, more versatile with the roster. Yeah, you know, speaking of the roster, last edition, uh, to play elite teams, I ended up with 
a ton of actual space. It was enough to do a 40K army, you know, uh, <laughs> just to build up the roster or the stuff. And thankfully, it's not that bad, this edition. Uh, you know, but still, I think you're right that there's going to be a rostering component uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you want to lean in hard, as hard as you can against a particular matchup where you can. Mm. And I almost feel that if you can't do that, I I don't know, like just, you know, this being the real talk for competitive 40K, I don't know that I would take a team that, for example, doesn't have like access to some kind of heavy weapon or something, because then you're going to be going mm-hmm. into elite matches where they have weapons for going against you, but you don't really mm-hmm. for going against them. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's, that's definitely a thing, mm-hmm. but no, there's lots to like about these guys, man. Uh, you know, I think that's a great place to start. I think that these are, it's really nice to be able to mess up, eat some shots and still be on that board. It, my next bullet point on my pros is that they tend to be a lot more durable yes. or have ways of staying durable. Um, very forgiving, especially mm-hmm. for newer players. But even in a even in a tournament, getting caught out, um, you have a good chance of eating some shots and still being there. Yep. Um, I had a recent game um, playing with Phobos, and um, my Reaver got caught out of position. Um, I tiny sliver around a corner. I thought I was going to be obscured, but I was out by like 0.2 inches where I wasn't obscured. So I was like, yep, yep, you're right. Take a shot, right? Survived on one wound. Yeah. <laughs> Would uh, not have happened with anything else, you know? Marines. Um, yep. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, they also tend to be more lethal because mm-hmm. that um, balance by being smaller numbers, whether you're elite or elite, um, they have to balance by being able to dish out damage as they're receiving damage. So it, it, that tends to be a little bit more fun to do. Your 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 hits are going to tend to hit harder or at least more reliably. Yeah. And um, that that's always a good feeling as the offensive player. Absolutely. And, you know, like, hey, we talked about you can stand out there and get shot. Perfect thing now. Like you're just saying, I feel the exact same is that, look, when I take that shot, this thing is probably going away. You know, even if it's mm-hmm. not the first round, a lot of these let you shoot twice. So it's like, okay, either way, this thing's gone, and maybe I rolled hot, that thing gets picked up, and now I get to shoot a second mm-hmm. time over here on this mm-hmm. other guy. And it's just like, wow, this is, uh, it's like, what do they call that? Pennies from heaven or whatever, where you're walking <laughs> and there's a you know coin on the street or something. You're just like, ah, yeah. this is nice. That's kind of mm-hmm. how it can feel with Marines sometimes. Marine teams. Yeah. Elite, elites, I'd say. Yeah. And then the, the last thing that I have on my list of things that I get attracted to by elite and elite teams is that the lower model count really lessens the mental load in the moment in the game having less models to worry about less options allows you to see more of what's happening on the board when you're focusing so much on your very wide horde team and all these moving parts and all these stacking auras it can be exhausting but also can steal a lot of your attention away from um, seeing other things that are happening on the board or thinking creatively about other options because you're not able to spend as much mental energy on each individual model. And there are people that do fantastic jobs with wide teams. I know that that's not where I have a strength. So I I definitely gravitate 10 or less specifically because I find that um, I'm able to see more by having less. Yeah, I I think, first of all, I think you're too hard on yourself because you ran, Ah. you know, last edition, that was your thing, was like the evil sons, you know, you'd have a ton ton of bodies. 15 to 18 teams, yeah. Uh, But yeah, you know, the scariest 
time to face a really top tier player is when they've gone to an elite team for a little bit. Um, because here's the thing. When I'm playing my uh, Pathies, I have flow charted out certain things to be able to play eight games and survive that weekend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I know where I'm mm-hmm. deploying and this is what's going on. This guy, they, they've got their assigned tasks. So I'm kind of autopiloting at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking, oh, what will I do with Medic? Oh, what will I do with Transpectral? Oh, what will I... They, they do their thing. But now mm-hmm. you take that, you strip that away and there's only six models on the board and now all of a sudden you get this player who's able to design these just disgusting things who's able Custom to... Custom tailored aggression. Yes. Uh, <laughs> who's able to focus in and be present in this game. And, and so what mm-hmm. you see sometimes is the highest ceiling from players, like the highest, oh shit, you know, type moments. That comes when it's... A really good player who's playing elites for the moment, mm-hmm. uh, who's gone mm-hmm. there for some reason, you know, whatever they're doing, they've gone to elites for temporary time, and they're just like doing things that you may not have expected. Uh, yeah, know. yeah, it's just something and, that I've noticed. And, yeah, and um, skipping ahead to kind of like the tips I have for elite and elite teams. Yep. Order of operations, super important. Mm-hmm. Have a plan, but be flexible. I was saying that all last edition, but I think it's so important when you have an activation disadvantage. That's the biggest con of these um, elite and elite teams. And I will fully admit, I did not think elite teams could ever work in this edition. Yeah. yeah. Aside from how broken talons were when they first came out, I did not think elite teams stood any chance right and um i ate my uh i I put my foot firmly in my mouth when legionary came out and showed us no actually they can yeah and then phobos came out it's like yeah hold my beer right um it's the activation activation disadvantage is so punishing unless you have the tools to deal with it or you have the proper order of operations for your team to effectively play the mission and survive the mission as well. So that biggest con of these teams is just knowing that you're going to be done well before a wider team is done. Yeah. And you need you need to be okay and ready and prepared for that. Yeah, I mean, elites, they have what feels like pretty straightforward parameters a lot of times, you know, like focus Mm -hmm. on the win condition, you hold more points than they do, you shoot them off of their points, you don't die, you know, and Mm -hmm. and you, you, you win the game, basically, but the fact is things are just so killy, and there's various toolboxes that, you know, is different from one place to the other that you have to leverage here and there, you know, um, mm-hmm. to, to get the most out of that. And I think that's where the skill ceiling comes from. That's why there wasn't a ton of, you know, when we did the easy intermediate hard mm-hmm. kill team breakdown mm-hmm. episode, uh, that's why there weren't a lot of elites in that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, is, is like, okay, you got to start thinking about toolbox. You got to start thinking there's things out there that are able to kill you. And, um, mm-hmm. but after that, the rest is kind of straightforward, you know? You don't mm-hmm. die when they shoot at you. They die when you shoot at them. And every time you shoot, it could be killing two guys, depending on what mm-hmm. it is, you know? Uh, it's just, mm-hmm. did you build your team correctly? Uh, did you take mm-hmm. plasma and you should have just taken an, an extra bolter to shoot twice or something right, right. now, you know? That's the kind of stuff yeah. that goes on with these teams. The, the way I see myself 
managing this activation disadvantage mm-hmm. and managing that kind of that that goal that you set forth, like hold points, take points away from them, is recognizing which threats are actually scary for your guys, right? Because these wide teams that are going to out-activate you, um, they're going to have high AP, high damage weapons. That's really the boogeyman, right? Yep. The plasma, a melt if it gets in close, uh, crack grenades, this kind of stuff. These are the things that, that hurt a lot to these elite and elite teams because moral of the story, they really don't have much of a safety net if the armor starts to crumble, right? Right. Um, and you you need to be aware of these threats, and you also need to be very calculated about where your points are coming from. You, you said something, and I want to bring back to that. You need to be on points. You need to shoot them off points. What you're saying in that is know where your points are coming from mm-hmm. and work on scoring your points um, and work on scoring your point differential. So sometimes it's not so much about the points you score, but about where the points are going to come from for your opponent as well. Yes. And I I just want to pause and spend some more time on that because that's, I think, the key, key, key to playing elites and elites effectively is making sure that you get the points when you can. Um, Knowing missions, knowing how to shift mission scores, knowing the appropriate secondaries to take. It's always important to talk about your tack ops. Mm -hmm. Um, Phobos get all of them, so you got plenty of tack ops to choose from almost all of them. Yeah. But um, for your elite and elite teens, it's just very important to say, okay, well, in this mission, I can play KG turning point one, mildly KG turn point two, and still max by the end of turning point four. So I know I can stay safe. Or in this mission, oof, there's no way I'm maxing. And if they push forward and just take a run of the board, I'm never going to make up for that differential that they get at the beginning. Or something like escalating hostilities. Turning point one and two almost don't even matter. You know? Um, Knowing where those points are coming from are going to let you not worry about uh, falling through the giant hole in the middle of the safety net mm-hmm. and staying relevant for to the end of the uh, to the end of the uh, game and coming out with more points. Absolutely, yeah. I mean that this is the thing uh, when we talk about denying enemy points. Um, a big thing in two editions now, it, uh, from my kind of philosophy of the game, is compression of enemy points. So that's the denial. I'm not trying to just score a lot. I'm trying to squeeze your score, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and make that down. And elites, you have multiple ways to do that. One, you're very efficient at the killing. But, like, let's say you have a guy that's, you know, on a point that, that you would like not there. With your three APL, you can just charge in. And, and, mm-hmm. and end the round. Now they can't really shoot you unless they're Tau, because uh, Tau don't know what rules <laughs> are. Uh, and, and, and you're stuck in that melee and stuff, maybe after that person has activated, and, and you're fairly safe now from the shooting, whereas like before, if you were to just kill that guy and then go stand on there, you might still get shot or something like that. So the three APL that a lot of these elite teams have is really key there as well, because it's just another way for you to compress that score. you know. Or mm-hmm. like you, you've got your banner guys in some of these teams and stuff like that, which is another mm-hmm. way to, to do some of these things. So a lot of what these guys actually want to do is squeeze the score. It might not actually be removing models from the board, which that is a definite thing that you're doing. Sometimes it's that threat, you know, where you are leveraging position to have shots, not necessarily get shot, because let's, I mean, with three-up save, it's okay to get shot, but you'd rather not be shot. 
You know, with, with six guys on the board, you don't really want to That's good life started. advice, too. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but no, I like that you mentioned TAC Ops earlier, and I think, in my opinion, there's nowhere more appropriate to obsess than if you're playing an elite team because mm-hmm. you've got too much to manage with surviving with positioning for that mm-hmm. defense and offense simultaneously like we just talked about uh mm-hmm. you know all of that kind of stuff going on and you're doing the primary it's like ah mm-hmm. so with tack ops i think you can't do like positional it's just mm-hmm. out right because you have to manage so many other things rather than like oh i need to be over here it's like no, you have, you have concentrated all of your forces. You know, you need to be able to be doing more with these, not dividing your attention and running off to the side. I don't know. Do you feel that that's accurate? Yeah, you, you don't have chaff to just throw off to the side mm-hmm. to um, score your positionals. I, I like stuff that um, compounds with itself. Um, things like deadly marksman. Headhunter, maybe if you think that um, you're going up a team where you're actually going to see the leader, that kind of stuff. Um, I, I like those because the, you need to you need to play aggressive. You need to take models off the board for your opponent um, without losing your own, and stuff that rewards you for doing that. I think plays really well. I don't, I don't think positional works very well for any smaller volume team. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, I really only have one more tip to say. Okay. Um, the faction-specific stuff is there for a reason as far as your tech ops and rules and stuff. A lot, a lot of that stuff allows for you to stay relevant and survive to the later turning points because these, these teams are balanced around, oh, no, you don't have a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. If you play them right, you'll be fine, right? Um, for Phobos, and they shall know no fear, mm-hmm. right? I, I mean, why did I harp on and on and on about um, Nurgle and Mark of Nurgle, right? Effectiveness, even though you're low on wounds. My Reaver with one wound, with and they shall know no fear, on was still just as effective as he was full wounds. Yeah. And when you charge in out of conceal and you're striking twice with that combat blade, you're taking most stuff out, even though you have one wound in melee. Yeah. And then you just shoot someone with uh, the bolt pistol, right? So, like, being that efficient at one wound is massive for an elite team. Yeah. And then string away a little bit for marines if you look at harleys they have their domino field they have prismatic blur but much like corsairs they also have terrain that mm-hmm. positioning is clutch to yeah. making sure that you are sticking around corsairs with their free dash exploiting terrain rules to make sure that you're obscured and shooting or ducking in and out of cover or making sure that you're flipping from conceal to engage doing a take aim shot and then dashing mm-hmm. um so that way you're safe like things like that exploiting those ex- the terrain rules as well as the faction specific stuff yeah just to survive i i can't i can't tell you how many times i've i've been successful with my orcs simply because my first goal was don't die mm-hmm. instead of my first goal being score points and go out there and kill yeah right? 
Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, this is... Elites are... They can lend themselves to a play style. It doesn't have to be, but they thrive if they're going to be used as a counterpuncher. Which is, you know, like last edition I made a thing where I used to tell people, don't shoot somebody who just shot. Elites are kind of where you break Mm -hmm. that that thing because like you can move shoot dash back in and stuff after mm-hmm. they've done that and it's like okay i mean they're just opportunistic you're, you're coming out boom mm-hmm. take that thing out and then you're back in and not getting shot uh mm-hmm. you know and and that's just a thing for them but i think you were you know you hit the nail on the head with the that they're late game because like that's their thing they're they're they have ways to still be viable even with one wound they have you mm-hmm. know uh they're used to playing with low numbers. So let's say they mm-hmm. lost half their team and you lost half their team. It's not equal at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're able to leverage that much further than you will be able to. A lot of these mm-hmm. horde teams, they need the full thing, you know, to mm-hmm. to be maximizing. That's why it's like they're trying to gut you turn one. Or they need some very key cornerstone um is that the word very key centerpiece uh, yes. models that trigger effects that trigger auras that they're a little bit more reliant on right yeah exactly mm-hmm. where elites they're fine and that's another thing you know when we're talking about advice for elites and elites to some extent less for them uh is you don't have to do your buffs right um sometimes it's better to just take that shot mm-hmm. like it, like if you have a comms that can give a plus one apl versus kill two dudes Mm-hmm. You know, and one of them is on an objective. Kill the two dudes, one of which was on an objective. That's going to do more for you than one APL on a guy, you know, later on in the round who's already going to get to shoot twice himself. And, you know, just, you know, not every time, but just generally speaking, it's something to think about. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to do all your buffs because that's part of the elite thing is being good where you find yourself, how you find yourself, buffed, not buffed. You know, melee shooting—they want to be able to succeed there. Um, I think GW has just been much clearer on building to that archetype. This edition, like last Ed, we had nine model uh, elite teams, right? Oh yeah, at one twenty-five points. Yes, you, you could yeah. have a marine team that was like, oh, I have four dudes in this match or nine in the other. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas these guys are very stable now, you know, and and that's kind of what it is. So try and like I'd say just like find some good units that that you vibe with that you think are the most solid and try to get as many games in with those as you can try to establish the flow chart if you can with those whereas the elites I think you're trying to get as many games in as possible to establish a unique approach to every single enemy that you can possibly go against I think that that's just unfortunately necessary for them you know Mm -hmm. if you're going to be a general for those you got to yeah. be able to beat anything, you know? Yeah, and, and I've said this before. It, it took me probably 20, 25 games with mm-hmm. Commandos to finally feel comfortable. Not good, comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, I think it's exactly what you're talking about. There's no algorithm. There's no right way. I found that I was being more successful when I stopped doing the same thing, the same opening every single mm-hmm. match, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas Elites... You know, it's not necessarily the same opening every match and things like that, but it's like these two tactics. I shoot twice, I am more durable. I shoot twice, Mm -hmm. I am more durable. Next turn, which Mm -hmm. one is more important because I can only have one, but I do that Mm -hmm. one. Turn four, Mm -hmm. same thing. You're not usually, I mean, you look at the back of the book, you see eight 
different things between strategic and tact ploys, two of those is typically what you're doing. You know, with up to like say plus minus two, I, I say is what I would typically see. You know, until you get to like super top tables, and then they're trying to like out jank somebody or something, and like show them something they've never seen, and catch them. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's typically what you're seeing. You know, whereas yeah, the e lights, you just uh, gotta know everything and do everything, and you know, go to the mountains and read that book over and over and over again. Come play some games mm-hmm. and get beat up. <laughs> so, I uh, hope you found this episode enjoyable. I think that we can uh, branch out. You know, as time goes on and take this a little bit further, uh, now that we've kind of established these archetypes and stuff for you guys. So this has been Bearded. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for watching. And I've been Emmanuel. Uh, you can find me and my buddy Alex, Strategic Advantage, on YouTube, and find my, my orcs is on my Instagram at email.beats. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Kill Zone Podcast. Your home for real talk for competitive kill team. Brought to you by the Frontline Gaming Network. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.